um, is fivefold knowledge. What we're facing today, Paul himself was facing in Scripture. People are scared of what the Holy Spirit could do. It feels to me that the enemy wants to shut down. The fivefold are given so that we, the body, can be mature. All right, welcome. Um, doing something I don't normally do, uh, which is uh, kind of an interview. And um, I'm here in northern Minnesota, northern Minnesota, in Sandstone, Minnesota. It's about, what, hour and a half north of the cities. Yeah, and uh, at the Community Worship Center and non-denominational church, um, just tremendous people, uh, tremendous ministry, and... Uh, have come here, well, we have a long history of like 20 years ago, and then I've been coming the last couple years, and, and we'll be coming, and there's tighter linkage. But um, this is Jason Best. He's the lead pastor, and Jay, I was trying to figure out how to, how to describe you. I joked about this yesterday with you, that um, extremely well-read, um, has a lot of education, but it's a unique education. You have three different bachelor of arts or bachelors of science and you're considering a fourth which is hilarious because normally people just and, go and up i have some some minors in coaching and <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know licenses i know i told him i was like i'm not sure if i'm crazy impressed or just like you know confused like can you make up your mind what, what do you want to do in life right but i just really like a lot of things <laughs> I, know. I know so uh yeah renaissance man good of a lot of different things but uh he's extremely well read um uh, and and I meet people that get education, and this is important. I meet people that get in education outside of the university setting, which I don't necessarily knock. Um, but most of the time, um, when you take out peer review, uh, especially among the uh, professors, and, but even among the students in the master's level and doctoral studies, uh, that stuff like really matters. I mean, it's high scrutiny. There's, right. it's not just you're talking with people on Facebook or you know at a church that no one knows what you're talking. You're, you're talking about things among people that that know and probably know more than you. Mm -hmm. So peer review like really matters. Um, and you know, so when you said you know you know you know all the studying you do and all of that. Um, you know, self-taught, especially in Greek, um, I, was, I was blown away at the the kind of how meticulous you are. In fact, we were talking about it earlier, your personality. I, and I, the way I would describe it is there's bottom to top. My personality is kind of over the top. His is closer to the bottom. Uh, but in terms of the meticulous nature of research, um, kind of a exegeting in every area of life that's you know whether it's going to be nutrition or whether it's going to be topics or scripture that's you're very yeah. similar to me well i'll just say a, a lot of people want my opinion and i want to make sure that it is <laughs> it is accurate i know as I'd, best as i can we, we did some of this yesterday we had to rein him in i'm like listen you know you want his opinion be be prepared so i might uh, talk for a little while oh that's hilarious well that's that's a good thing but uh the topic we want to get at today is this five-fold ministry and NAR. So right out of the gate, um, I come from the Church of the Nazarene. I'm ordained there as an elder. That's my tribe. Um, I, and I, I mean this with all seriousness. That's the group that I, I really feel I'm going to run with till the end of my days. Like uh, uh, it's, 
It's family. I really believe. Now, we've got our challenges like every denomination does. Um, and I'm that guy that believes in multi-denomination rather than no denomination. I don't. I think it almost enriches our history. And I and and there's people that talk like that, like um, whether you like them or not. Uh, IHOP talks like that. They have like their staff have people from multiple different backgrounds, multiple denominations. Bethel is huge on that. You know, there's there's uh, I've you know. Uh, if I've heard it rightly, Bill Johnson has people on there that he just does. And I've heard him on podcasts say there's people on our staff I don't agree with on certain issues. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they look at it as an enrichment. And when we got into city transformation ministry, working in the city with different you know denominations and different tribes, there are people that I'm just like, yeah, that's crazy, right? But we were able to find common ground and minister. Right. And so having said that, um, I as a Nazarene, we're dealing with the fivefold language. And it's, it intrigued me, not only what you had talked about uh, and what I want them to hear your research, but also what does this look like in a non-denominational leaning, more charismatic uh, church that is running in the circles of those kinds of churches and, and other churches as well. But for the church of the Nazarene, we just had our general assembly and, uh, you know, our general superintendent stood up in the pulpit. It was beautiful. It's phenomenal. Dr. Crocker, he was like, he goes, we believe in fivefold ministry. And then he went on and he was like, in fact, you know, if you have, uh, you know, giftings toward the apostolic or the prophetic, you know, or evangelistic pastoring and teaching, if you're shepherding, you know, in your makeup, go to, go to an elder here. We want to commission you, pray for you. You know, we need these gifts active in the body. And it was beautiful, right? And got a lot of pushback on it. But what, what we're really after today is the pushback we're receiving in the church of the Nazarene and the pushback that I'm, I'm hearing from other friends and other denominations and other tribes and other circles. Um, there's a lot of confusion going on. And so I think I, we haven't really even decided what we're going to call this video yet, but I think it's something along the lines of, you know, is, is the apostolic, is the fivefold NAR, the new apostolic Refor- reformation? What does that term even mean? Where does it come? How does it get muddled with other apostolic ministries and apostolic churches? Um, those, those get all blended together. And, and I love, and I don't want to steal your thunder, but I love how um, people... And I'm just going to say it, I'd love to just list the websites and list the Facebook pages that you should not go to, um, but that are just critical in their spirit and and frankly uneducated. I mean, they're just uneducated. And so I want to give you a second, but I want to, I want to give you, but I want to give you where, give my group, because I've, I've got, I did a teaching uh, that you've referenced and, and liked, but it was basically an overview of the fivefold ministry of gifts, which, which I'm calling the ascension gifts, which is what Paul called them. Mm-hmm. Jesus ascended. And when, as he ascended, gave gifts to men, that was the deal. And those gifts were apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Found in Ephesians 4. Found in 11. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, 12, I think. Yep. And it's, it's, um, so I got into this, and we want, to, we want to keep wraps on this and keep this digestible. But I first got into it about a year ago when I was studying Ephesians and um, got into the grammar. Um, I mentioned this in my five lessons, which you'll find on this channel. Um, but went back and, and really began to deal with the grammar. The first thing I do, okay, let make sure I got the grammar right, make sure I'm actually understanding what, what Paul is trying to communicate. And um, Bill Mounts 
uh, who is foremost. I mean, <laughs> anybody who, Love his stuff. yeah, anybody who deals with Greek knows Bill Mounts. He's right. the foremost scholar of our century of our generation. On, that's where I learned a lot of my stuff. Yeah. Well, me too. Yeah. That's what I, st- in, in, in college in academic college and then in my own courses that I've taken from him personally. Um, it's, he's fantastic. He, he walks us through this passage and, um, I, I, I've referenced it on my other, on my other teachings, but, um, I found it one of the, one of the, one of the statements or one of the uh, kind of arguing points against, um, fivefold is that the apostle um, was for the first century only, and um, which I can't wait to you comment on that. And then the prophetic was actually uh, referring to the Old Testament prophets. And then you have the evangelist, which is now, and then you have the shepherd and teacher, which is now. Well, he immediately debunks that in the grammar. You cannot pull, this is important, you cannot pull evangelism or the evangelist gifting into a new covenant prominent church ministry without pulling apostle and prophet with them because the grammar is is you get one or you get none exactly. you get all three or you get none yeah let me make sure that everybody heard that yes Say it one more time yeah that's, that's exactly <laughs> it's huge right. yeah if you're going to believe in the evangelist you have to believe in the apostle and the prophet because that's the grammar and the only questionable out of the five are the shepherd and the teacher, and it's almost like if you've got one of those, you get the other one as well. It's it's those are linked. But this idea that the prophet was the Old Testament, the apostle is here, no, that's impossible. That's 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 extremely poor academic um, stewardship. I mean, it's just it's terrible. So that was the first thing I thought. That's interesting. Well, if if the apostle and the prophet are for today. Well, what, what does that mean? And, and what is it? So I, I began to study that. And, and after I did those five lessons, I didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't get to include this in those because it was after that. It was in December. I told you about this yesterday. In December, um, I got a book uh, from a friend of mine and it was on the, uh, he had heard me talk, oh, to keep this short. He heard me talking about the, um, Reformation. And, um, there was, I was in Kansas city and, and I got linked up with some guys in the area. They're actually from a reformed group there and they were doing a podcast and I was really fortunate to be able to be a part of that. And they were celebrating the 517th year of the Reformation and they were going back and, and talking about all, all, a lot of things that I'd never, um, you know, that I'd never really dealt with. I never really studied, you know, in depth. I just never studied the Reformation. And so I um, uh, I was intrigued because they mentioned, I knew about Luther, but I wasn't aware that really a hundred years before Luther, the Reformation was already starting with Wycliffe, Tyndale, and Hess, yeah. pronounced Hus. Um, but um, in fact, scholars say that um, Wycliffe, like Wycliffe was the mover and shaker of all. It was all of his literature. Uh, and the only reason it really didn't gain ground like it did through Luther is because Luther had the printing press to take his, his writings into the common language and go public, which saved him, saved his life, actually. Right. Whereas Wycliffe didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the widespread um, kind of uh, flow of his literature, which was so significant for that, for, for Luther and the others. So, but anyway... I was listening to all that, and it's fascinating. So I come back in December, and I, a buddy of mine, I was telling him about it, he's buy me this book for Christmas, you know, early Christmas present, because December I do nothing but reading. And I'm going through the Reformation, right, studying all this. And um, I, I'm blown away that not just Wycliffe, but Tyndale, Hess, all those early guys, um, they were 
the first thing that the Holy Spirit was doing in this massive revival that's sweeping, you know, every aspect of Europe, right? Um, that they were they were revisiting um, Ephesians four eleven and twelve and the giftings of the church that the Catholic Church had basically suppressed. And the first Wycliffe's first preachers that he sent out to do itinerant preaching, which was against the law uh, in Catholicism, mm -hmm. right. there's like two or three popes at that time. They're all, you know, vying. And so they didn't want any more, uh, you know, they didn't want to influence in the common people. But anyway, so their first preachers that they were sending out were called poor apostles. They were itinerant ministers. I'm like, you're kidding me. And this was really important for me because this new apostolic reformation is it's not, new. not new. It's not new, man. It's been going on for 500 years and even more than that. More than and that. so all of this study in the last year on, you get these bozos uh, that are that are talking about, you know, this apostle prophet stuff in the church. It's all brand new. One, one honestly, it's a lack of education. It's ignorance. Okay, so you have to watch just, I'm talking to the per people that are watching this, you have to watch what you view online because there's well-meaning intended people. You have to fact check everything, including me, okay? Although I'm really accurate, but you have to fact check everything because you just don't know. I mean, I have DS's and DS's wives of a great, 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 great friend of mine out in, uh, they're like parents, I mean, out in, uh, I won't say where, they're in Missouri and, and just um, uh, DS and his wife and I just, I mean, they're like parents. I love them. I love their kids. And, um, you know, she called me and she was just like, hey, I heard, have you heard this? And I'm concerned about this. And, and there's so much misinformation, which is why I want to do these kinds of videos. Right. Now, that's the intro. And uh, we're going to be careful on time. And I'm, you know, I only you, get like two minutes. No, 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 no. You're getting more than two minutes staying locked in. But um, I really want to know one, um, you know, how did you get, you know, into this, and I know it's not been that long, but you, as you begin to familiarize yourself with this topic and the conversations around this topic, some of the things you found, I think it's so, so neat, like what you're finding. Sure. So ready, Jason, and yeah. go. Okay, well, let me just give <laughs> two minutes of a background story. Community Worship Center came out of a Nazarene church where our leaders were experiencing something that they couldn't define. They were seeing lots of, of uh, basically manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And the district superintendent came, because apparently, because I was young, I was like 10, 9, 10 at this time. Apparently, we were one of the fastest growing churches in the district, and he wanted to see what was going on. And we said, the Holy Spirit's doing a move. And uh, he said, you got to stop that. You got to stop it. And, and our leadership said, how do, what? what, how do we do that? And um, he said, here's what I'll say. You got to stop it or I'm pulling credentials. And so we had three people in leadership at the time. And they basically had to sit down at a picnic table, which the funny thing was, is I was by the picnic table um, trying to eavesdrop. So I'm 10, and I'm overhearing this conversation. That's and uh, they said, what are we going to do? And, and they literally went to Ephesians 4 and said, that's what we're going to do. We don't know what's going to happen as a result, but we need to let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit's going to do. And that's what? how Community Worship Center started. That's incredible. And I was back 
right after those days, actually. It got last to do with you after those days, back in early days. It was after that sometime, but it was in the mid to late 90s. But what I think is so beautiful on that, in the Church of the Nazarene, as well as every denomination, went through this kind of uncomfortable, like, you know, what are we going to do? They're guarding, and so not can't knock too much. But what's been beautiful about that is that the pastors that lost their credentials have gotten them back. Right. And Sam is actually pastoring a church down in the Twin Cities, a Nazarene yes. church. He has yes. his credentials it's back. It's a beautiful so restoration. It's been a beautiful restoration. Yeah. And it was it, it's just indicative of the kind of process of this feels new, what do we do with it? Mm-hmm. But right. and uh, but it's been it, that's been a beautiful piece yeah. to it. So the the push behind me doing a little bit of this study, which hasn't been very long, but it comes from what happened that started this church. So when, when I hear people saying, um, you know, things that, that seem contrary to what the Holy Spirit might want to do, I want to, I want to dive into that. As a pastor, a shepherd, I'm also a public school teacher, I want to do my, my research, and I want to make sure that, that um, I can kind of help people weed through the, the muck, and that's the best way that I'll describe. If you hear nar. I just want to say, okay, that's like a, a hey, t- I'm going to get kickback from this. It's like a pile of mud that you're going to have to sift through to find what is accurate, what is inaccurate, what is definitely false prophet doctrine, and, but what is real. Absolutely. And, and so that's the heart behind all of this. So bottom line is when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, Jason, what do you think about NAR? Uh, two things go through my head. Number one is that apparently they would like my opinion on something. So they've whether they think I'm educated or they just want to pick a fight, whatever. I'm I'm up for both. Um, but the second thing that goes through my head is, can I ask you a follow up question? What websites, <laughs> podcasts, and articles have you been reading? Because yeah. I want to know how much mud. Are we dealing with That's so good, Jason? And and at that point, then once again, as a pastor, I'm not here to tell them what to think or what to do. I want to just sit with them at the table and say, let's spread this all out and see what we're dealing with. And at that time, I, it just started to occur to me when that discussion starts, we're going to have to go back to early scripture, not just. Um, 1996, when C. Peter Wagner decided to use this term, or or even going back to um, John Calvin, John Wesley, and the Reformed camp that that kind of brought this idea, or even earlier where it's just kind of the the whole cessation, um, which is those those five, or at least two of those five have have ceased. But I can go all the way back to Scripture and realize that Paul was dealing with this very same thing. So, so the fact that, okay, so somebody, somebody would say, well, there's no apostles because the, the criteria for that was clearly laid out in Scripture. And I understand what they're saying. But the, the fact is, is that we're not talking about the 12 apostles here, and we're talking about what Christ gave to the church, the gift of being an yes. apostle. Let me, let, me, let me intersect here. So... This is what you and I, this is where it got out of hand in our conversation. We had so much fun. But what I had discovered was that, okay, I went back to Scripture and looked at the apostles. This is in my apostle video, which you can watch. It was released in May of this year, of 2023. 
was that um, you had 12 apostles, Judas had abandoned that position, and there were like eternal prophecies about those 12. Like there was heavenly roles, there was after you know, after it's all, after the judgment rolls of the 12. I was like, that's, that's pretty heavy. So much so that Jesus said, hey, you know, it got Judas, Judas has to be replaced. That's the impression we get. So in Acts chapter 1, before the outpouring of the Spirit, there's this, there's this business meeting of the early church, and they're like, okay, we got to fill Judas's seat, okay? He abandoned it. we got to fill his seat. And at that time, there was only a group of 120. That was the early church, 120 to pick from. Now, this is important. I'd always heard, well, they got ahead of themselves because that was Paul. That was Paul. But in Acts chapter 1, the qualification, this is so big, the qualification to fill that chair, that empty spot for the 12, you had to be around from the baptism of Jesus up through the ascension. That's what Peter says. And Paul wouldn't have qualified for that. And, the only, and there was only two out of the 120 that qualified, Matthias and Barabbas. And they chose Matthias. Uh, the Holy Spirit chose Matthias. And so you have this 12, and we believed, I, I, I talked about this yesterday with you, but um, we talked together about it, but we believed in a closed canon, uh, and we believed in, we believe in a, um, you know, uh, kind of a, a closed apostolic group of the twelve, because of the char- because of the qualifications that Peter gives, there'll never be a thirteenth apostle. Right, you heard it here. Okay, and we, actually, you could read about it in Acts chapter one. So we believe in a, cl- a closed canon. Now, with regards, and I'll throw this in. We're, we're not going to go down this road, but in terms of scripture, we've often talked. I've often heard. Well, the apostle gifting was for the writing of scripture, and then that ceased. Uh, that gift ceased. But that's also incorrect because most of the New Testament was written by Paul, who did not qualify to be in that that first twelve. And and the other writer who potentially wrote even more than Paul was also not under those qualifications, and that was Luke. Yes, Luke. He and, wrote Luke and Acts. And, and that's he, a fun thing. That, he was not. Yes, Luke, Luke and Acts. He did not qualify no. under the criteria of apostleship. No, and there's ways around that for I them. Know, you know, yeah. they got to have a source. Yeah. And all. But um, I've been reading some, this is just fun stuff that you're not, this is not necessarily for you, but I've been doing some uh, research and some extremely compelling research based off of Barnabas's relationship with Paul, specifically with the church of Antioch and his leadership, and that off with Hebrews referring to that as Pauline theology because it clearly is Pauline theology, but scholars say it doesn't seem to be written by Paul. Right. What if it's written by Barnabas? And I, I'm hearing some compelling yeah. evidence yeah. on that. When I did my study, yeah, that he was one of the top candidates. Yes, that's not for this writer. conversation, but been dealing with that. But my, my point is, is that the idea that scripture was written by these, you know, this apostolic authority, that's not, and I get the canonization process, which is a whole different conversation, but the idea that the apostles were given for these specific kind of purposes is debunked. And this is where you came out and said, Paul was fighting against that because Paul was like, I'm an apostle. He was like, he was like tongue in cheek referring to those 12 as the super apostles, right? And go in, explain. I love how you talk about it. Just the fact that once again, in almost, I I would have to look back, but almost every letter that Paul wrote, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ. There's reason for that. Yep, exactly. And, And yet, you know, because he was getting kickback from, you're not one of the original ones. And and yet there again, process of canonizing scripture and all these different things. We're not 
we're not suggesting that there was uh, this um, this exclusive group. There was there was an apostleship gifting that we see other apostles in Scripture, and so when we come to Ephesians four, a lot of people say. Well, look at the grammar. It says gave, past tense. And like you said, you already kind of debunked that with Bill Mounts and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and so we're, we're running into situations where we have modern-day situations going on, and they're using terms, and we're muddying all of this stuff together. And, and to me, that's where, as a pastor, I want to say, hold on a second. Before we throw all of this in one basket and pour some water in there and mix it all up, because that's just muddy, let's spread this out yes. and understand that we're talking about, while we're using similar terms, we're talking about different things. And and especially when we come to currently, if you look on YouTube or, or podcasts or, or articles, that stuff, most of it is so muddied that I... It's hard to weed through. Sure it is. And so, you know, that's that's really where our conversation started as to, like, what do we do with that? Yeah, and, and before you go into that, I want to highlight something you said. And it was what when you first said it to me, it was like revelation. You said, Paul is writing, and he does. He introduces himself as an apostle. And he goes into, I fathered you. You know, there's, you know, there's many fathers, but I'm your father. And, you know, and he makes another reference to being, you know, uh, apparently these super apostles. Am I also not an apostle? And what he was up against, I love how you said this, you, 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 you know, and, and maybe it's because when you first said it, it was so impactful for me, but Paul was, it, he was saying to the early church, yes, there were 12 apostles. Yes, they were specific. Yes, there was a deal, but the gift of apostleship remained even after those 12. And you have what? We have 70 some apostles in the New Testament. Timothy was apostle. Titus was apostle. Silas was apostle. Barnabas was apostle. I mean, Junius, a woman, Junia, a woman was an apostle. You have obviously Paul. You've got, dude, Antioch was pumping out prophets and apostles. And they were, they were a number of teachers that were there. So one of the main, I love this, that when you had said that what we're facing today, Paul himself was facing in scripture. This is not a new deal. This is not even a new fight. Right. And, and, my, and, and I want to let you talk on this, but it really feels to me that the enemy wants to shut down so that the body, that's the point in it. Paul said these five giftings, the fivefold are given so that we, the body can be mature. And if he can keep the church in an ineffective, organic strategy and just limit Christianity to some superhero kind of stuff. And, you know, against what Paul is teaching is that every one of us make, I taught on this last night exactly. at the church, yeah. you know, it's all, we're all, we, everybody gets to play ball in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Jesus was not Superman who came down to do something no one else could do. He died for our sins, all that. There's a specific role for him. He's king. Get all that. But he came in John 14, 12. Anything I've been doing, you're going to do. In fact, you're going to do greater things than these. That's the, that is the thrust of five-fold ascension gift, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, ministry, that this has been restored. The early church fathers in the Reformation, this has been restored to us. And, and when you made that point that this that Paul was wrestling with the same thing, blew my mind, man. Yeah. I, I and, missed that. Yeah, and really, I'll just say this: the idea of even being restored is so. The, so the word reformation basically means we we now see this, 
it was already there. They just didn't see it. So, so even to um, restore these things never meant they left. We just operated with, with a limited awareness. And, and so I, as a pastor, and there again, already explained the history of this place. I want our church and really the body of Christ to be as effective as possible. So, so when I start to see people say that that picture of effectiveness that I see in Ephesians 4 for equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, when, when people say some of those pieces need to be removed from that equation, I want to stand up and say, wait, wait, how, why? And, right. and what I come down to is mankind has their awareness their ideas and and while I respect some of those things, I'm not afraid to have that discussion. I'm I'm not going to bank on mankind's understanding. I want to see what God has to say, mm. and and so when it's written here, and and uh, because to me, here's just me personally. I feel like people are scared of what the Holy Spirit could do. I I feel like they are saying we if we just Talk about God, Jesus, and then the Bible, mm-hmm. as in that's the Trinity. If we just kind of, we'll, we'll mention the Holy Spirit, but because he's a scary dude and we don't know how what he's going to do, <laughs> we're a little that's worried. Hilarious. And so we're yeah. just going to not talk about him too much. Yeah. And, and to me, I'm going, that is wrong. As much as, as we can go to extremes of, of what people claim they are and what the Holy Spirit's doing, I don't want that either, but I'm just as discerning or uh, vocal about, but don't cut off the ministry yes. of the Holy Spirit yeah. either. And and so there's extremes on both sides. Sure and, and so me, when people come and ask me, I want to make sure that you are, if you are listening to things that are on both sides of those extremes, yes, we'll go and, and kind of weed through what is the mud and come to the solid truth, and and that's what I'm after, and yep. that's really where our conversation was. Yeah. Now, two things. One, you've got Rob McCorkle coming here just in a few weeks, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Actually, October, I think. Yeah. September. September. So it's All more right. than a few weeks. It's it's a, a month or so, two months, and um, you're going to love him. And uh, I, those of you on my channel, I don't know. If, They've seen me with Rob. If you follow my schedule, he and I do a lot of things together. Got exposed to him a couple of years ago because he's a word and spirit guy. Um, got great education. He's got his doctorate and been around the Church of the Nazarene for a long time, pastored and uh, for 25 years, I think, maybe a little bit more, but also traveled that at that time. His wife, Cindy, is an ordained elder as well, and she pastors. And so, you know, it's... Um, He's, he's super knowledgeable. What, how I got linked up with him is I always knew he was a word guy, um, you know, uh, very great in terms of, and the education, you know, with it, but, you know, to preaching the word in a high, high standard of the word, but he's also a spirit guy. And so he was kind of, you know, I get, I began to hear about him, read a couple of his books, you know, uh, he's a word and spirit. And I was like, I like this guy and it's what you're talking about. So he's, he's he's like me now before I was just kind of like the word guy traveling around and, uh, for a long time. But I had this encounter with the Lord in 2018, which maybe sometime I'll share it on this channel, but, um, had a whole movement of the 
spirit in my life could hear the Holy Spirit and this whole other thing to begin to develop. Um, and that's what I hear you say. So that's the first thing you're going to love Rob when he comes. He's a word and spirit guy. But the second thing is I'd like for you as best you can um, to describe some of the muddiness, right, specifically exactly. with the church, you know, the, uh, the uh, new apostolic church back in the 1860s, I think somewhere around in there. And then there was, which is different than the new apostolic reformation, which people link those. Mm -hmm. And even that's a little bit different than probably what we're talking about and what Paul was dealing. So if you could help us with that real quickly. So if you, you know, if they, your listeners said, Hey, they're going to cover this topic. They're talking about other stuff right now. Okay. So right here, here's where we're going to talk. The mud. Um, First of all, when you start looking at these things, Lots of different terms and lots of ideas are kind of being blended together into somebody spitting out some information. Okay. So number one, one of the first things that muddy the water is, as you just said, there is something called the New Apostolic Church. Okay. The New Apostolic Church was, they they say in the 1860s, and uh, basically what came out of that was this idea that... um, Christ was coming soon, so we better reinstate the 12 apostles. Mm. And they just picked 12 guys and said, we're the, we're the 12 apostles. And now, because we are, are you know, doing this, now Christ can come back at any time. They felt that if they, they didn't have that, Christ couldn't come back. So they established it. Okay, um, 1860s. Well, uh, there's there's nine million people in that denomination now. Um, most of it's in Africa and, and away from here. Um, there's three hundred some apostles, so I don't know how all of a sudden twelve went to three hundred some. But their their understanding is is this extreme, and this is part of what they people say NAR is that you have an apostle, someone who claims to be an apostle, and it it becomes this. I'm an apostle, and so you have to do what I say. It, it's a it's a power grab, where and, and so this is this is what I, I want people to understand. If they they said, well, give me some some tools so I can kind of work through the mud. Number one, if if you have somebody who is basically saying, you need me to bring you into the presence of the Lord, and you can't get there without me. I've been called by God, and I will bring you there you of little faith or ignorance or whatever. <laughs> red flag. Yet a red flag. That's one of the biggest things I want people to know. It is like that's that's the first thing you look for. And you have a lot of people saying anybody who's even associated with Bethel or IHOP or or Mike Bickle or any of these these things they're not doing that. Exactly. And that's yeah. just real, that's the biggest point I want to get across. Okay, none of those guys have said, I'm, I've been called by God, and you haven't, and I will lead you to the promised yeah. land. And, and we're not like, I'm not here as a defender of anybody. Exactly. But I don't know any of them. That's right. But the idea that they're saying that, well, no, they're not. Now, I'm not defending them, but no, they're not. Right. Okay. And that's, that's almost used as a like a, just this bludgeoning tool, so now they can come after me or whatever, yeah. that I'm a justifying that kind of narrative that yeah. they're pushing. Well, then most of it is, well, if anybody's listening to Bethel music, then they're NAR too. Yeah. First of all, wait, where did you where did you even start? I don't even respond yep, to that. It's just exactly. ignorance. You know, so the, the bottom line is, um, 
is that that same type of language is because I'm called, I'm the only one who can bring you into the presence of God. And if you question me, God will punish you. Like that's that's part of a a, a language, a narrative, or a behavior. It's that crazy. that is is what we're concerned about. Mm. So if you see that type of stuff, then you can recognize that's that's not of the Lord. Okay, so so any of the people from the Reformed camp who are, are saying, you got to watch out for NAR, this is what you need to watch out for. Sure. Someone who comes and just says, I'm, apost- I'm an apostle, and you must do everything I say. And, and so what else it is, is this, this um, elevation of one particular gift that overrides everything else. Now, there again, an apostle was a messenger, one who went out. It, we we can even equate it as one who starts yes. ministering. Yep. Okay, and and I go through all that on my channel. Yep, like what, exactly. I, we're here to talk about NAR, not necessarily to you know to go into the details of fivefold because I've already taught on that and give you an overview. And we'll probably do some more stuff on that. But yeah, there's a correct definition of an apostle. That's not it. What right. you're talking about exactly. So when you start to see somebody who is, I just call it a power grab. Yeah. Who who is saying. Um, I as a person need to be high and lifted up. Red flag. Yes. Like that, that is what we, if somebody is, has a concern about the new apostolic reformation, that I'm telling you what you're looking for is one person who says, I've got all the answers. You don't know anything. Just follow me. And if you don't, God will punish yeah. you. And you must lift me up as this person. Yes. That's what we're talking about. And in the the so the new apostolic church had that type of a flavor in in that. Now I don't know if they would agree with everything that I just said. Yeah, it's but. And, and I wanted to. I was going to say that that I you know I've I've been familiarizing. This is new. I think new to all of us. Why we're having so many questions, but I've been familiarizing myself. There's extremes even in that camp. I mentioned that in the video series right. that there there's a in the church of the Nazarene. There's extreme bozos in our camp. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's like, like, and I mean that there's extreme bozos in our camp and then there's extreme bozos in our camp on the other side. Okay. So I'm sure that's not a, that doesn't apply. If you ever meet anybody from new apostolic church, ah, heretic. Can can I give you the backstory? That group came up from Catholics who met Wesleyans. That's how that started. Seriously, Isn't that interesting? That'll be to be flushed out, Mm -hmm. but not Catholics. Wesleyans got together and they went boom. And it's clearly so. Catholics and Wesleyans got together, had a baby, and it was the New Apostolic Church. It was the New Apostolic Church. (laughs) That's a different. I don't know if that's even the right analogy. That's hilarious. So we'll get to that topic later. But okay, so that's a New Apostolic Church. That's different. Like see Peter Wagner when he said, "I don't know what to call," because he's seeing what Hess and Hoos and Wycliffe and Tyndale and Luther and all of these guys he's seeing and 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 he's experiencing and all of these. And again, I'm not. Pushing C. Peter Wagner, okay? But he's like, what do I think? I loved how you said it yesterday when we were talking. What do we call it? New Apostolic Reformation? He was not, I don't believe he was endorsing the New Apostolic Church, okay? But even if he's, even if he, you know, was, I don't think he is, okay? When we're talking about New Apostolic Reformation, in terms of there is a movement that's different than New Apostolic Church, and I'm not even saying that we're we're a part of that. I'm not even saying we're a part of that. So continue. Yeah, and so there again, I just really want to make sure that when we're, we're taking a look at 
at some of these extremes. But then I, I want people to, to um, see the, the false doctrine in this. But there's then the camp, and, and I, I, don't, I just don't want to name drop, but I'll just I'll say this. The Reformed camp, in general, tends to then want to say, because the Holy Spirit in the way that, that could go off the rails, we will go to the other extreme and acknowledge the Holy Spirit, because it's clearly in their creeds, but the, the fact is, is because um, we don't want anybody to come with saying, hey, I've got a new book of the Bible, or I've mm. got, you know, this, this, and that, which which there have been people who have yes, said that. there has been. So I understand where they're sure. coming from to have that um, that discernment there. But, but I, I just feel like, okay, in that discernment, instead of going to the Holy Spirit, they went to their own thinking and said, we can't tolerate literally any of that because it might be too hard to weed through what's true and what's not. So we will just kind of kind of slow or hush-hush what the Holy Spirit may want to do. Throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Exactly, and that's, uh, that's, uh, that's so much of that. And I, I just want to help people. I'm not here to tell people what to believe. I'm not here to say, I've got all this figured out, so just listen to me. Sure. Then I would be one of, of sure. these things. Yes. I'm, what I'm saying is I want people to be educated, and I want people to not rely on a YouTube video, a podcast, or or some sort of an article in and of itself going, oh, well, okay, uh, grave sucking, what is that? Oh, I don't know what it is, but it, that came from Bethel, apparently, whatever. I will never listen to a Bethel song ever again. And I Stop. researched that. Yes. Did you know I researched No, I did. And, and we got to no. cut this. We got to yeah. actually, we're, we're, we're wrapping up. But I am, um, that's a great point. That's mm -hmm. a great illustration of what we're doing with the NAR. Mm -hmm. And I did a research on people's like, well, they do grave sucking. I actually, um, man, I went after it. I had, uh, I forget, I think I was waiting for a plane and I had like four hours on a layover. And I had internet, and I was in the, one of the lounges because I had free with my flight. Right. And so I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm going after it. And I was like combing everything. Found an interview where Bill Johnson, and he was like, I don't ever respond to those, but I guess I'll respond to this one. And it came from he and his wife and some of their team had went over to Europe, and they had had pictures of them on these graves. And um, he tells about what, you know, that scene, but then it illustrates it for himself. He goes, I remember coming up, I think it was to George Whitfield maybe, mm. or it was Wesley himself, but he goes, I think it was George Whitfield. It might've been John Wesley. <laughs> okay. But it's been small. It's out there. But he was like, I remember falling that grave. And I remember saying, father, we need, we need another John Wesley, a man that carries the anointing that he had carried in our day and age. I'm praying that you will send another anointed. And he went on and talking about Francis Asbury. And Francis Asbury, Lebanon, Tennessee, where I live, the last meeting that he held in his ministry, he went off and died. And after that, shortly after, he like dug a stake in the ground and they built a house. It's called, actually called the Franceberry House. I've been there, you know, in our, in our, in our town. And he said, someone's going to come and pick up this stake and continue. And we felt like God led us there 10 years ago without even knowing that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was, but it's slander, it's critical spirit. And listen, you are going to have, there's a couple of Nazarene pages on Facebook um, that are just in my tribe and they're everywhere. But I, I know pastors who like, 
oh, have you heard what they're saying? And I'm like, do you agree with that page? Oh, absolutely not. Why are you following that? Do you, like, it's a critical spirit. It's, it's, it's fueled by the enemy. It's demonic. You can sense it. And when you go to those kind of places for information, especially even when you don't agree it, you're, it's like, I, I don't agree with it, but I give, I give the demonic a table at my life. You know, yeah, I like, I like to watch that. That's literally what you're doing. You're inviting that spirit to get, have a voice in your life. Don't watch that crap. Don't, don't watch that junk. It's, you know, so when I begin to sense, and I do, and we, we won't get to it on this podcast, but, um, yesterday we were talking about some of the reformed guys and, and, and the, um, uh, eschatology conference that I watched and had this one, uh, and it's not all reformed, but this one reformed guy was just, he made this statement that if you hear anybody mention NAR, turn and run. If anybody, he went as far as to say, if anybody goes, comes up to you at a Walmart and says, listen, man, God put it on my heart. And, uh, you know, uh, do you have this going on with you? He goes, even if you do, and they want to pray with you, run. Okay. So like that red flags, I'm not going to follow that guy's ministry. Right. And, and there's always people that I listen to that I chew up the watermelon and have to spit out the seeds. But it gets to the point where there's more seeds than watermelon. It's just not good to to pay attention to that. So, yeah. um, yep. And there again, that's just my heart as a pastor to shepherd. Yeah, I I don't know all of this. We've talked before. I haven't studied this a ton, uh, but because it affects people and they ask me about this, you then, need to then know. I want to know. And, I love and it. So I'm going to do my. I love it. I research on it. So. I really appreciate you. And I, I, I mean, I just uh, uh, really uh, known you for a long time, but especially in recent days, I just feel like there's a, uh, you and I are fighting on the same side mm-hmm. on some things. And so I appreciate you uh, coming and being, let me do this at his church, you know. Uh, well, you, I just thank you for even asking me. And oh, my me. word. Very privileged. Well, it, it was valuable because one, you were, you were finding some things that I, uh, that I wasn't finding. You're articulating some things that I, in ways I wasn't, and you're in a different, you're really in a different kind of lane in the church than I am with my tribe, though we're way overlapping, obviously, mm-hmm. but I love it. And I got a friend of mine that I'm going to be meeting here just in a few weeks, and he goes to a Baptist church, uh, although they, they, they can't <laughs> like that guy because he, is, he and I are on the same page. So I, I, some of the challenge he's having in his tribe, and I love those conversations. I'm going to get him on my podcast. So anyway, hey, I love the, that you guys are tuning into this kind of stuff. I, I want to do things that's relevant, that's important, and, and fact check. Go fact check. And um, uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's good stuff. So hey, keep following. Check us out next time.